Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Welcome to our annual Superhero T-Shirt Week, an event commemorated by only me every year. Basically as an excuse to wear a bunch of geek T-Shirts that I don't wear the rest of the year and not have Ricky over at the Blaze yell at me for just wearing a superhero T-Shirt. That's why we do this every year. Is this on? I'm sorry, but that's the true story. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's it's Aaron McIntyre. It's a troll of your employer. <laughs> In a way. Okay. Let's start this week that way. <laughs> Would you expect anything but? <laughs> yes. And of course, I just kind of let the troll out of the bag on top of that. I uh, hope you all had a great weekend. We uh, are back at it again here on a Monday. Did you guys have a good weekend as well? Yeah, yeah. I did. Went, went fast, a little different. My my crew is all out of town uh, in Tennessee at uh, orientation. For, nice. So I'm, I'm alone. I'm a little untethered. It's weird. What's Bachelor Todd doing? Showering this week? Uh, you know, I went on a nice long jog. I watched... Uh, walking the earth? College. I am. I'm walking the earth. <laughs> I am. Aaron, how was your weekend? I went to a bar on Saturday night to meet up with... Uh, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in several years and was immediately reminded why I do not go out. <laughs> okay. It was so loud. Good <laughs> Lord. Gosh. I asked one of the waitresses, hey, what, what's the quietest? I, I'm serious. I did this. What is the quietest table on this patio? She said, the one that you're at right now. Some dude asked me if I wanted to get on his party bus that was right in front of, you know where I'm at, uh, Wellman's Pub and Rooftop over in West Des Moines. Some dude asked me if I wanted to get on uh, the party bus. What do you think my answer was? Uh, dudes don't go to parties. No, I wasn't that rude. I just laughed and said no. <laughs> Aren't you glad you asked? I am. Unfortunately, ladies, he's not single. All right? So um, we had a good weekend. Uh, went out and spoke at a church yesterday in Missouri. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that go? good group of people. I was a little concerned, all right, because they were getting set up for VBS at this church. And I've been under some pressure-packed situations speaking before. I mean, I've, I've spoke before presidential candidates, tycoons, captains of industry. I get up into the pulpit of this church, guys, and there is a giant-sized uh, oper- operation board game. Like the board game of Operation, remember you pulled out the bones, yeah. okay? And it's giant sized, and it's right next to the pulpit. And I'm thinking, this better go well. I mean, is, is there a message there? If you offend us or overstep, um, we, we harvest th- organs. This is what we'll, we will be doing this next. Yes, and so I, I felt that. I, you know me; I don't normally feel a lot of pressure speaking in public. The pressure comes from uh, how badly and undisciplined will I run my mouth. Not what will I say, but will I say too much? I got to tell you, man, I had that thing on lockdown last night because I knew over my shoulder, if I didn't come correct, you know, operation. So uh, no, in all seriousness, it was a great time. Good group of people. Uh, good weekend. And uh, I see you're wearing the nefarious shirt. Yeah. Thank I you am. for uh, representing the brand. You bet. And we are still out on streaming right now. Uh, I, I've received a ton more positive reviews 
uh, over the weekend uh, for the film, and you can get it right now. PVOD, available on Amazon Prime. I think we're up to like uh, our, uh, our average rating on Amazon right now, I think is 4.9 out of 5 stars, I think is what it is from Amazon users. So uh, Amazon Prime, iTunes, YouTube, we are still... Now we're now we're not in the top five anymore. We're down to number six. We're now the sixth in our fourth week, heading into our fourth week of streaming on 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 YouTube and Google. We are now the number six best selling film, according of, of, of any film in the world that you can get on uh, on PVOD via YouTube. That's still that's absolutely incredible. So, uh, iTunes slash Apple, YouTube slash Google, uh, Roku, Voodoo. Uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, Salem Now, right? Uh, all places where you can go and uh, and watch Nefarious, hearing from so many people seeing it for the first time, people that are renting it multiple times, you know? So thank you so very much. And I am, I'm getting confident now that we are going to be able to, to pay our investors back. And the rest of our production team is getting more confident too because now we're having more detailed conversations about where nefarious content may be going in the future. And uh, uh, including one thing that you guys have made a lot of requests for that we are very close to announcing. You're going to get your wish. There's been a lot of requests for this, and you are, you're going to get your wish. I can't quite say it yet, but that is coming. All right. So anyway, keep the more the more you guys see nefarious, the more likely it is you're going to get more of this kind of content. And I, I give, I'm getting incredible notes from people. My wife would never see a movie like this. My wife wasn't interested in, in spiritual matters, and now she can't get enough. I mean, I, I, this friend, this spouse, this loved one. That's why we made the movie. So thank you very much for its success in streaming, and uh, we hope to keep that momentum going. All right, coming up on today's show at the bottom of the hour, Bob Vanderplas will join us next hour. Your opportunity to ask me anything, and it's our Facebook followers. We have some good questions this week. Got some feisty ones. I like feisty ones. Oh, yeah. Hold on to that thought. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to it. Just, Just understand, feisty questions often receive feisty answers right Right out of the gate five star yeah feisty questions often receive feisty answers just be prepared all right with that in mind here is aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away what happened while we were away brought to you by the coup that wasn't this guy is the leader of a large mercenary fighting force in russia we're being told he attempted a coup over the weekend then stopped and we don't know much more at all beyond that Hunter Biden was seen schmoozing at a D.C. event Friday night alongside our nation's elite, including Attorney General Merrick Garland. This happened after the leak of a WhatsApp message from years ago, purportedly from the younger Biden to a CCP-linked businessman in China, which read, quote, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I'd like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone in involved in this other than you, Zheng, or the chairman, I will make certain between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father, end quote. In completely unrelated news, Merrick Garland wants you to know he is the justice. Some have chosen to attack the integrity of the Justice Department as components and its employees by claiming that we do not treat like cases alike. Uh, This constitutes an attack on an institution that is essential to American democracy. 
and essential to the safety of the American people. In a Friday news dump, the federal government unveiled a 10-page U.S. Intel report on the origins of COVID-19. All you need to know is that the Intel community came to the conclusion that the virus was likely natural in origin, which makes sense for them to say since unnatural origin would implicate the U.S. The Rainbow Jihad turned it up to 12 over the weekend at Pride Parades. At this one, in an unknown location, an individual was hawking a t-shirt that reads, Not Today, Jesus, with a rainbow-clad depiction of the demon Baphomet. Also at that parade, individuals carried a rainbow banner down the street that read, Satan Loves. In Minneapolis, a morbidly obese old man in nothing but tidy whities shook his butt in front of children. In Seattle, completely naked men shook their junk in front of children. In New York City, topless women played in a fountain alongside children. Also in New York City, the Rainbow Jihad marched through the streets chanting, We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, we just want the tax benefits and visitation rights of couples in traditional marriages. Donald Trump spoke at the Faith and Freedom Coalition Conference in Washington, D.C. on Saturday. On the one-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade, Trump spoke to a packed crowd for a total of one hour and 26 minutes. Of that nearly one-and-a-half-hour speech, Trump spent four minutes talking about the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and a total of 10 minutes talking about the life issue, including these comments towards the end of his speech where he spelled out where he is on the life issue. As your president, I will continue to stand proudly for pro-life policies, just as I did for four strong years. And we cannot in this room, and Republicans, but the people in this room, we cannot be afraid to take on the Democrat extremists. We can't be afraid. We have to be strong and powerful. That's why when I'm reelected, I will continue to fight against the demented late-term abortionists in the Democrat Party. These are very troubled people in the American public is on our side by overwhelming margins. You know, the politicians are going to have to learn to talk about this issue because they are the radicals. We're not the radicals. When you kill a baby after four months, six months, eight months, nine months, thanks to the Supreme Court decision of exactly one year ago, we gave those who have long been fighting for pro-life cause, negotiating power for the first time ever. You have tremendous negotiating power. Now, with Roe v. Wade, you had none. But I believe the greatest progress for pro-life is now being made in the states where everyone wanted to be. That's one, one of the reasons they wanted Roe v. Wade terminated, is to bring it back into the states where a lot of people feel strongly it should be, and where legal scholars feel very strongly it should be, with the three exceptions that I support and Ronald Reagan before me supported for rape, incest, and for the life of the mother. Uh, a lot of people are, are more and more coming into that fold, and uh, it's something you have to very consider. You have to go with your heart. You have to go with your mind. You have to make that decision, but the three exceptions. However, there, of course, remains a vital role for the federal government in protecting unborn life. And it's very important. We will defeat the radical Democrat policy of extreme late-term abortion, and we will bring everybody together to protect our precious unborn babies in a very, very big way. And now you have the power to do it because we terminated Roe v. Wade. And that's what happened while we were away. I like the turn of phrase, terminated Roe v. Wade. Did you notice also there four months? Well, want to kill a baby at four months, five months? 
well, there's four weeks typically in a month. Four months would be 16 weeks. You see Lindsey Graham back there applauding Trump during his life comments. What's the legislation in Congress that he has been trying to get passed? Well, at least claims he tries to get passed. It's Lindsey Graham, so who knows? But um, I believe it's 15 weeks, right? Isn't that the bill? Which was the original, why 15 weeks? Because that was the original rationale for why the Supreme Court took up the Mississippi case. The Dobbs case came out of Mississippi, if I recall, right? And their bill was a 15-week ban on abortion. And clearly, Trump has received a message that whatever he was saying about the life issue here for the last couple months, that dog ain't going to hunt. Because that was a dramatically different message than what we have heard over the last few months from him or basically so far really going back to the last election where he blamed pro-lifers for why republicans didn't win but let's get into more of that with bob vanderplatz at the bottom of the hour because he actually did an event with lindsey graham this past week mm. you know i'm talking about living dangerously i mean he told me he was going to go do an event with lindsey graham i'm like watch your six so we'll get into that <laughs> we'll get into that here at the bottom of the Chuck hour or glock yeah <laughs> I ain't no homosexual or nothing, but I like the way you handle your rig, indeed. All right, so let's get to what happened over the weekend uh, with Russia, if we could. What did happen? That was my. Russia. That was the question I was going to ask. Do we know? And man, I thought, man. So this story starts breaking late Thursday night, all day Friday. It's like trending on Twitter and, you know, people are posting about Russian civil war and it's, it's typical, the typical subculture of Twitter. All right. I mean, um, you read a, uh, a Wikipedia page one time and uh, follow three people whose opinions you respect. And suddenly now you are, you know, you are able to pontificate on matters of deep stuff substance. We, we see this every time there's a controversy. People are suddenly gun experts and suddenly COVID experts, suddenly foreign policy experts, right? And I am just like, I'm not buying this at all. I don't believe anything they have told us about Ukraine or Russia. I don't know what is true uh, since this war started. I found it fascinating. I saw more footage of this Wagner group supposedly marching to Moscow in the last 48 hours than I saw the, the last four to eight months of the actual supposed war in Ukraine. Right. I'm so I'm just, I'm, you'll notice you go to my feet. I, I've not said anything about it. I'm not commented anything about it. I get up Saturday morning and now Putin has commented on it. So Putin acknowledged there's basically an attempt at insurrection in Russia. There's, there's, they are um, sandbagging, the city, the, the, you see Russian, the Russian state news, they are fortifying Moscow. All right. And so now I'm thinking, all right, well, maybe there's some, some legitimacy to this, even though I still can't pronounce this dude's name. When is it like, I know it's not Porzingis because he's in the NBA. It starts with a P. or something okay, yeah, like that. General P. We'll just go with General P. All right. General P. All right. Uh, and, and so, you know, maybe Putin's like evacuated to St. Petersburg. And so I'm thinking with Putin commenting on this, all right, maybe something's actually going down here, you know, and I, I bring out what I said the, the day after, I think it was literally the day after Putin invaded Ukraine. I came on this show and I said, he has to win. I mean, if you look at the government, he presides over, it is a, it is a thought, it is a thugocracy. He, he presides over other ambitious, violent, and, um, 
uh, bloodthirsty olig oligarchs, of which he is the tribal chieftain. If he goes there and cannot subdue this country and looks weak, he's getting up there in age. Those guys don't want to be junior partner. They want the master bedroom at the Kremlin. And so this is kind of win or go home for him. If you're going to go in, you have to win. And I don't care what anybody says. I absolutely do not believe whatsoever two things. Number one, there is any, U any definable U.S. interest here. I haven't believed it from day one. I don't believe, and I even saw my, even when my former boss, Ted Cruz, was saying this when he voted initially for the funding. Guys, when Russia tried to host the Olympics, they could not put working toilets in the hotel rooms for the athletes and the press. They are in no position to reconstitute the former Soviet Union. That's just, come on, get out of here with that. Number two, I, I don't care whether the kleptocracy that Ukraine is, which is essentially a, a laundering operation for the World Economic for, uh, Forum and George Soros. It's a WEF Soros puppet state. That's what Ukraine is. I, I don't care who gets to launder Ukraine's resources, the world, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, or Vladimir Putin. Do you care? Are you like, hey, draft the Urzen daughters. Let's go to war for that. As I walked the earth, I was not pondering. No, that you're not. Went. That didn't no. come to mind. No. no, no, no epiphany there. No, no, because you're sane and you know not one of the elites with billions of dollars of grift at stake. So why do you care? So of that, I am certain. The other thing I am certain of is there is no way, no how, when Vladimir Putin launched this early last year, he thought we would be sitting here in, in late June of the next calendar year, still yet to have achieved all of his objectives and subdued that country. I promise you he did not think that. No way. No way. After those two things, I don't know what is true. I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what's true after that. You know, I don't. And I should have remembered that because I reset my theory. Once Putin talked, I thought, all right, maybe this is legit. You know, and I reset my theory. Maybe this is now the day Putin has shown weakness, his inability to subdue Ukraine. Maybe this is the day that I forecast the day after he launched the war in Ukraine. Especially because I was reading about this general and it's pretty clear from everything I read that he was, you know, I know there was a lot of thinking, even Marjorie Taylor Greene claimed that maybe he was propped up by the U.S. government, except it, everything I read about this guy is, I mean, uh, he's pissed that they're, they haven't ended this by now. I mean, I, I, I that's why I, I, I put out there, be very careful deposing Putin. I'm not saying he's a great dude, but the strong man you get afterwards may be even worse. Like it seemed like this guy's complaint going back for months was we're pussyfooting around here. Let's get these weak ass generals out of here and show the Ukrainians who's boss, you know? Then like an hour later, <laughs> all right. Then like an hour later, they talked, they hugged it out. And master P has called the whole thing off. They're heading back. He's accepting exile. Is it in Belarus, I believe, is where he is accepting exile? No idea. Okay, I think it's in Belarus. He is accepting exile in Belarus. Putin will not go after him for this insurrection. And we're all just one big happy Das Vendanya family here. And then you got to ask yourself, all right, 
this is now where Nipsey Russell comes out and says, right. So to recap, a, a, a general who presides over a mercenary group fighting in Ukraine, speaking of walking the earth, was going to walk with his unit without any air support. Now, now I think I think Putin is a paper tiger, but I I don't think Russia is a schmuck either. They do have nuclear weapons there. They have one of the most advanced militaries on Earth. I mean, I I know we live in this era of we go from one extreme take to the other. But just because he's not ready to reconstitute the Soviet Union doesn't mean you can just grab a few thousand soldiers and walk down the street to Moscow and overtake the country. Fair. There's, 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 a, there's a chasm of degree somewhere between, okay, he's not Stalin. But this also isn't, you know, a house of cards either. I mean, just one group of mercenaries just walking down the street. No other Russian defense forces come out to meet him in the streets. And he's going to walk all the way. To, he's going to get all the way into Moscow. Hitler couldn't get into Moscow with Blitzkrieg. Napoleon couldn't get to Moscow. And this one, this one group of mercenaries, so cutthroat, so devastating, with no air support, they're going to walk, the, the, they're going to walk half the landmass of, of, of Mother Russia and just stroll in. They're sandbagging Moscow, fortifying it. To quote the great prophet Joe Biden, come on, man. Come on. Okay. And I will admit, I felt dumb. I should have let it play out longer. If only I let it play out an hour longer. Wouldn't be as dumb as I feel right now. Because <laughs> it was like when, it's like when your buddy's got a good joke going. And he's, he's, he wants to keep it going, but he's not sure he can keep a straight face much longer and let the cat out of the bag. You know what I'm saying? Because once he, once he, you know, once he, once he breaks the act... Once he gives up the straight face, the joke is over. So he's, so it's almost like Putin and this guy were like, <laughs> I mean, you've got all the, you've got all this Western. This is it. This is the end of Russia. All the same people that have lied to us about uh, who were the, who were the fighters. Who, what, what was the, what were the fighters early on that like faced down the entire Russian air force. Who am I thinking of, guys? You know, Ghost of Kiev, yes, the Snake the go- Island. Yes, yes, all those people that have been telling us for the last... When did, I, I don't even remember when Putin launched this. February, March, April of last year. All the same people that told us, this is the end. Kind of like all the same people that told us. The walls are closing in. Funny how that works, isn't it? I mean, it is a self-pleasuring circle amongst these people on Twitter. And it's like Master P here and, 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 well, Putin's Master P and then General P. P and P. Operation PP. It's like they've got this joke going, man. For, for, to what end? I don't know. And then, like, they were worried they'd just start, like, like, General P would just start laughing as he's walking through Rostov on the way to Moscow. They was just going to stroll in there with no air support or anything. And just knew that, okay, we, we got to figure out how to back out of this because people are believing this even more than we thought they were going to. All right. And so, so there's these sudden negotiations. 
I don't want any Russian blood spilled. I will accept billions and go back to Belarus. <laughs> Come on. Come on, man. There's what the hell was this? What was this? And then, of course, the t oh, Putin is clearly weakened. If I had to guess, and that's all it would be, and I get paid to do that sometimes, and it's fun, and I'm wrong more times than I care to admit. If I had to guess, this was looking at this in the, in the rear. Now, now reverse engineering it. This was a PSYOP the entire time. And there's all these news stories out today. Ukraine feels momentum after what happened over the weekend. If I had to guess, and man, I hope I am wrong. But we kind of have a standing theory around here when it comes to predictions right now, right? And what is it? The worst thing, crazy thing possible? Yeah, whatever the worst possible outcome is, we're going to start with that as our, as our prophecy to start there. If I had to guess... And it's just a guess, right? I've never met Vladimir Putin, and I don't particularly admire him. But if I had to guess, this entire joke of a PSYOP was to create a scenario for Putin to truly ratchet up the level of destruction and violence, maybe even to the point of strategic weapons of mass destruction, because now he's feeling pressure domestically. He has to do this. He's been left with no choice. Even his own generals are now like, this has gone on for too long. We have been too nice. We have pussyfooted around for too long. It is time to bring the pain and end this. And of course, Putin, if he's nothing else, is a man of the people, of course. And so he had no other choice but to hit switch. That is my guess of what this was, man. I hope I am wrong because I don't know what else it would be. What are you guys' thoughts? I'd um, like to know Joe Biden's thoughts, but he went home to Delaware over the weekend while apparently a Russian Camp civil David. war was going on. Camp David. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, magically, just last week, what, did we find like $6.2 like in an accounting errors to send over there? Correct. Yeah. 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 I guess it has something to do with that as accounting well. Accounting error in your favor. You know, like Monopoly? Like Zelensky was out with her playing Monopoly, drew the community chess card, and it said, accounting error in your favor, $6.2 more coming from the United States Treasury. Yes, indeed. I think it has something to do with that. It, it's linked to what you're saying. I mean, there's no way Putin thought this trough of money would just keep coming, but apparently it's going to. He, I, I, don't, I doubt he believed that Western elites were willing to punish their own people economically in order to maintain whatever they had going on in Ukraine. I'm, I'm sure he didn't calculate that. But here we are. And they, yes. are, and they have been. Yeah. I don't. This, this entire escapade, if you want to call it that, in Ukraine, there are about 666 different ways any one event or story that comes out of this godforsaken part of the world could be spun and used as a psyop. Mm -hmm. I am back to where I was in February of 2022, or whenever it was launched. Uh, there is something happening in Ukraine. 
Is that is that sufficient? That That's the depth of our analysis. There is something happening. In something Ukraine. is happening. Somebody did a thing. Yep. That's sorry. That's just as far in depth. I don't doubt any of the things that you just laid out about Putin and the dynamics there. But when we get down to, into specifics, there's something happening in Ukraine. Don't know what. Don't think it's good. But there's something happening. Is it possible Putin? Putin is a clown too. Is it possible that just the elites everywhere are clowns? Sure. And the whole thing here was just a, a friggin' clown show. The whole thing was. With no rhyme, no reason at all. Well, you're, you're kind of, go- we're going, you've talked about this, and we've, uh, we've both read the book, Barbara Tuckman, The Guns of August, mm-hmm. how the, the elites totally had no idea about going to war with the new technology that was happening, but they hadn't applied it to warfare yet. They had no idea. I think that, yeah, that makes your point about this. Did they, they thought they were going to dabble in something and it all got away from them? Sure, of course. Is it possible that this guy just got pissed off because they were not executing a cogent plan? Just through a tantrum. Western media just grabbed, glommed onto this because it fit into their narrative. And before you know it now, he he feels like he's got to keep going because the media is pushing him and... Finally, Putin just came in and found out, found his buy price just to make the whole thing go away. Is that possible? But then wouldn't that make Putin look weak? No. Short attention span. So that's why what happens next and how fast it happens is so important. Whatever happened there over the weekend, I promise you, it is not what your corporate media told you it was. I don't know what it was. It just wasn't what they told you it was. Back here on the Steve Day Show on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. 498 days from today is the 2024 presidential election. We don't. It, we know it'll kick off here in Iowa with the caucuses. We don't yet have a firm date, right? We don't no, know. Keeps moving up. When do you think? When would you guess it'll be? I think it'll be after the New Year, but it'll be quick after the New Year's because initially it was January 22. But I've already heard reports of January 16. It could be January 8. I believe when Huckabee did the caucuses, Steve, I think it was like January 4. It was we, did, we did it on January 3rd, one cycle, I know for sure. That might have been Huckabee. So maybe that's the year, yeah. Um, so, and that will kick things off. And the, the world in which we live in right now, it's just, there's, there's a, it's, it's really hard to get solid data. Polling is not easy to do. And um, I, I had a, a, a had a, a very a well-known um, Washington Press Corps reporter in here two weeks ago. He said in your chair, him and I were talking off the record, so very honestly and bluntly about, frankly, our respective sides, because he represents the other one, frankly, and he at least admitted <laughs> he at least admitted that. Okay, but one of the things we got into is just how unreliable polling is, how expensive it is. Yeah, he mentioned it's maybe the most expensive thing that his his publication does. You bet. And even figuring out it, it's hard to do, even if you wanted to do it honestly, who will answer those sorts of things? And we have, and and so. There's the expense of it, who you trust with it. In 2022, corporate polling from corporate media was very accurate. In 2020 and 2016, 
it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, like, not like off, like you had to be purposefully this bad. Okay. And so who knows on a given time who to believe there's a rising tide of people that I I can't blame them. Don't believe any of it. Another rising tide of people that believe it when it fits their narrative. So like over the weekend, NBC news came out with a poll that from a primary perspective was very good for Trump. And so you have outlets like Newsmax are running with that headline, but they're not, they're not telling you what the other half of the poll was. He's that same poll that has him doing well in the prime. So well in the primary has him just minus 14 against Joe Biden with independence. Mm-hmm. And why does that matter? Because there has... You since, can't win the White House that way. There, there, we, mm-hmm. we, since we've done modern exit polling going back to 1976, there has never been a presidential election where more registered Republicans voted than Democrats. And only one time was it a tie, 2004. Every other time, there had been more registered Democrats in the exit polling. And so Republicans have to form a coalition with independents in order to win. In the last three elections since 2016, Republicans have not won independents and have performed varying degrees of poorly every single one of them. And so it's really hard to truly understand where the process is right now and what people truly think and who's even paying attention right now. Two things I want to ask you about. The first is... Sitting here right now, say, let's say we have a January 4th Iowa caucus, okay? Something that early, which would put us, what, less than six months. It just blew up everybody's Christmas vacation. It did. did. I mean, (laughs) so we're talking less than six months. Mm -hmm. All right. What is the environment right now? What is it? What, What do you earnestly think? Well, the Without, if you had not looked at a poll at yeah. all, because who knows, because we're all kind of, everybody's kind of picking, choosing which polls they yeah. want to talk about. And then even within the polls, they talk about which parts of the poll they want to discuss. All right. So what do you think is really, where do you think things really are right now? Well, first of all, Frank, I, I really don't look at polls and I do that intentionally. Uh, I really want to get a pulse for our people are telling us, uh, you know, what's the lay, lay of the land? What's, what's the on the ground feel? Um, I told our board Thursday night. I said, you can mark it down. You heard it here first. I said, I believe Trump loses Iowa. And I think he has a self-inflicted ceiling of 20 to 30 percent. I think it's closer to 20 percent than 30 percent. He only got 23 percent in Iowa in 2016. And so if that's the case, if he has a self-inflicted ceiling and if he's going to lose Iowa, you can have five, six, seven candidates really competing in the Iowa caucuses. And you still can have a Ron DeSantis, a Tim Scott, a Mike Pence, whoever emerge to say you won the Iowa caucuses, whoever gets that, that coalescing. Um, there's no doubt that uh, Ron DeSantis is doing everything right from a caucus perspective. He has the money to do everything right. He's building an on-the-ground uh, operation and infrastructure. Uh, he's doing the little things and the big things. Uh, he's showing up at stuff. But you, you see guys like Tim Scott capturing the imagination of a lot of caucus scores. I mean, this environment's just getting ready to, to, to play and to start coming together. I think our leadership summit on July 14 is going to be a big piece of that. And then that'll be the first, first piece. The next one will be your debate. And then after Labor Day, we'll start seeing where things lay, are laying at that point. One of the other factors here, and it will factor into the Republican caucuses, because I have mentioned before, and it's something I'm sure we'll talk a lot about over the next six months as we break more of this down, is how much there is, you can call them anti-Big Pharma, you can call them anti-vax, whatever you want to call them, how much of, a, of that population exists within the Iowa electorate, particularly in a smaller turnout caucus 
uh, sample. They all vote. They're not all right, but they tend to vote that way, mostly as a block. If the if if the if I believe if Democrats in New Hampshire go ahead and defy the party and obey state law and hold the first in the nation primary there, I could see Iowa Democrats doing the same thing here from a caucus perspective. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it definitely could be in regards. Like, to, I don't think they'll do it without New Hampshire. But if New Hampshire does it, I could see them doing it. Sure. And that, those are all the internal politics of how things get played, how it gets laid out. And here's why that matters, because now all of a sudden, what if Bobby Kennedy starts spending weeks in our state? He's not right now. What if he comes in here because he appeals to that exact same group? What if he spends weeks, months here? appealing to that group leading up to a caucus that would certainly not help ron desantis because you would think that he would right now he's probably the only candidate right now that would even contemplate catering himself to that group at least publicly and would probably get a lot of them organically now if you have a bobby kennedy that comes here because iowa decides the democrats do all right we'll have a caucus here now there's competition for that voting block when ron desantis previously didn't have it fair sure what well, is fair and there's no doubt i mean i don't see kennedy doing that uh, as you know, Steve, we invited Kennedy to our leadership. Summit. Right. Matter of fact, I thought it's kind of a perfect you know platform for him to say, "I'm going to go be interviewed by Tucker Carlson," kind of pull of a bake Ramaswamy of, "I'm going to go to South Side of Chicago." It's not typically where Republicans go to play, but I'm going to show I want to be a leader of the entire country, not just of a party. For Kennedy to come to us, I think that would have been made a lot of sense. It's too late now. I mean, it's, that that deadline has passed, but uh, the only one that's a variable yet will trump come to to our stage to say that so that invitation remains open part of it he's the former president and so we're keeping that invitation open as he makes up his mind but what i saw in the brett bear interview steve i think the one that really hurt trump the worst especially with the mega crowd is his doubling down on the covid the vaccine his leadership there those things uh, the reaction we got immediately was not good for the, the former the president. Ne- the next day, there was the most collective anger in my email inbox at Donald Trump than I have ever seen in my career. So it is. Or, or, or since he became a political entity. I, I've seen a lot of those same people give him a pass, give him an I excuse agree. for all those type of things. Yep. But when he doubled down on it, it's one thing to say, okay, he didn't see a pandemic coming, so he did the best that he could. We like him for a lot of other things. So we're going to give him a pass there. But when he basically doubled down on it, and that he saved millions of lives and the vaccine was a great thing and only he could could have rushed that thing through to get it done the way it was done. I saw some even mega supporters start getting a weak need on their support for the former president. I said after the show, you can kind of tell when Trump has stepped in it, when you watch his um, his Twitter ecosystem. There's there's two groups of people in there. There are, you know, complete nutters. More people who will just, you know, any who just because they because that, you know, they're getting paid. Anything Trump does and says is the greatest thing ever. Okay, mm-hmm. And then there are people who um, view him as either um, a champion for Western civilization or uh, a cudgel that essentially they can prop up because they're serious about America first kind of policies. Mm-hmm. They always go quiet. Mm-hmm. Like they won't defend the indefensible, right? They go quiet. Yeah. And all those people were quiet as kept for the next 48 hours after that. It's kind of like, I'm not they saying were, anything. Yeah, they here. were talking about anything other than the Brett yep. Bear interview. Okay. Um, so that brings us to the second thing I wanted to talk about. Because the one thing to, th- and always keep this in mind about Iowa too. The president is very popular here. 
Um, he won general elections here consecutive times. Republicans had not won consecutive presidential elections in Iowa since Reagan. Mm-hmm. And since 1984, I think only 2004 narrowly is the only time a Republican had won Iowa in a presidential at all. So, and Trump didn't even win them close. I mean, they were like, I think eight and nine point victories. I mean, these were blowouts. All right. But the, the, the average conservative who loves Trump here is not like the kind you see in Alabama or Mississippi. Like there aren't people going around Iowa with, you know, Trump tramp stamps. OK. And stuff that, that that's it doesn't work that way. I mean, it's, it's more of an admiration for his policies, mm-hmm. uh, tough, particularly in the ag community, pro ethanol, tough on China when it comes to trade. OK. Yeah. Uh, we're a, very, a socially conservative state. He was good on our issues for the most part as president. And so it, it's 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 not the same level of an emotional bond that you see in in, in, in in some of the states, you know, where Todd likes to talk about roll tide evangelicalism. Sure. And so, you know, I, in, in, in our state, there would be much more willingness because of what I just described to say, yeah, that's we're not doing that, as opposed to look for ways to excuse it or ignore it. And maybe some other states in the country, you know, is that fair? It's It's very fair. And I think. You know, that's not uh, to diss any other state, but I think Iowa... I'm just talking the cultures are different, that's all. Iowa voters are very wise and they're very savvy. And I think what you see of them is that there's a lot of them who are willing to thank President Trump and everything that he did for this country. But at the same time, next breath, Sam, it's time to turn the page. We need to move on to the next generational leader. We don't believe he can win again in 2024. And for a variety of reasons, either the system is so set up against him... Or they're citing polls, Steve, that you just cited. He's down 14% with independents. They're seeing that this is having an effect, and they do know that we need a win in 2024. I still believe that is his highest, highest hurdle. It's not about the indictments. It's not about all their stuff. It's about can you win again in 2024. All right, so that brings me to the second thing I wanted to ask you about, the speech that he gave to Faith and Freedom over the weekend. And, you know, there are, there are moments... I go back and forth with him. Um, I think my King Saul analogy is right on the money. Now, things did not end well for King Saul, but it wasn't like he was terrible the entire time either, if you know the history. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was, for a time, a champion of the people. Okay. Um, sooner or later, though, the narcissism, the ego um, swallowed him whole. Right. And so there is defender of the realm, Saul. And then there's let me visit the witch of Endor, Saul. Okay, And we've seen a lot of let me visit the witch of Endor, Saul, the last few weeks, including the Brett Beer interview. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's just over there doing just, you know, turd lib videos on Truth Social daily from a dimly lit room. Okay, that just are about the least presidential thing you could possibly envision. Almost like he just gets pissed off and runs to a camera at the (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. All right. But then, but then we saw this at CPAC. I think you saw this on Saturday at Faith and Freedom. Then there is, all right, that's, that's the original King Saul. The people said, give us a king mm-hmm. like everybody else. Because I thought that was a command performance at the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Yep. Um, I thought, and I asked Aaron to, to chart the amount of time he spoke on the life issue. Because going through the speech, it did seem like he spoke a lot more about himself than the life issue. But when Aaron charted it, He spoke for a full 10 minutes on that issue. That's a lot to speak on any singular issue. I noticed a couple nuances of things he said that are different. 
Um, you want to kill a baby at four months, five months. Well, there's typically four weeks in a month. Mm-hmm. Four months would be 16 weeks. <laughs> if you do some math, right? Yeah. I went to public school, but I think that four yeah. times four is still 16, right? All right. What is this boy, Lindsey Graham, who's standing up behind him? No pun intended. And applauding, right? Yeah. What, is, what has he been trying to get passed in Congress? 15-week ban. 15-week ban. Huh. Suddenly there is a federal role in protecting life, right? Republicans got to stop running from this issue and go on the offensive and turn it around and say, this is the party that wants to just kill them all at any point in time. In other words, he sounded like the guy that overturned Roe versus Wade on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And it, it's dramatically different messaging than we have seen on this issue. Going back to the, the, the end of the last election, we blamed pro-lifers for the loss. Clearly, he has gotten some message. That that this that that that's a self-inflicted wound I, I cannot sustain. Well, it's going after my own base like that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think he he knows the audience to which he's presenting, and the faith and freedom crowd is going to be a very pro-life crowd. Uh, I happen to believe the life rally, the town hall that Tony Perkins, myself, Lindsey Graham, and Marjorie Dansfelds are did from SBA pro-life that we did last week Wednesday night, videoed it, streamed it, made sure every presidential candidate saw it. It almost mirrored his remarks. There's a vital role that the federal government needs to play in in a post-Roe v. Wade world. And he made that comment. He then talked about how he'll be a champion for the culture of life, and he'll fight for the sanctity of human life like none other. Now, those are Trump words, and we're used to hearing him saying that. But he doubled down, and the deal about you should not run away from this issue. You should embrace this issue. We're on the winning side of this issue. Those are all things we've wanted Trump to say for a long time. If you go back just a few weeks, Steve, not just back to the midterms, but when he did the CNN with Caitlin Collins, then he was just kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll make a deal, whatever. The, but that's a yeah. CNN base. That's not a faith and freedom coalition base. So it went from let's make a deal to I will be the champion like you've never seen before. You'll get you know, we're going to win so much and you're tired of winning type speech at the faith and freedom on the so you, you, life. You, you think this is just good old-fashioned playing to an audience? I, well, I, you know, I think... Nothing more, nothing less. That's what I, it sounds I think, like you're I saying. I think that's what he does frequently. And he knows the audience and what she's in front of. He knows what happened Wednesday night before. He knows the base he needs to win. Matter of fact, I, I visited with Senator... Then why doesn't that work on the jab? That I don't know. You'd have to. Does ask he have him. just too much of yeah. his own personal yeah. emotion staked, yeah. staked into that that his ego just can't? Probably give that is point probably up. like you know. What, he, and I believe he really believes he did. He's the, the right Winston Churchill of yeah. COVID. Yeah. He, he saved us. Yeah, yeah. And so Senator Graham gave me a call yesterday, and he was meeting with Trump yesterday. But he he's saying that Trump needs to attend the Family Leadership Summit on July 14 because of the response and reaction he got out of Faith and Freedom. He believes he'll get that same response in Iowa. We'll see if he does that. Uh, if he does that, it'll be an interesting interview and to see does he, how much traction does he still have within our base. By the way, just as we were speaking, another poll just came out from a Democrat pollster, said almost exactly what the NBC poll said over the weekend, where just Trump was losing to Biden in swing states and DeSantis was winning convincingly. In this exact, in this Democrat poll, it's actually worse. Uh, for the Democrats. Yeah. DeSantis is actually beating Biden by 11 in swing states. And, and, and that Trump mes- and Biden are tied. And that message is going to sell. Everybody I talk to knows we need to find a nominee that can win in the general election. You know how much I have, you, you and I have been good friends for many years now. And I'm about to turn 50, so it's 
more years than I care to admit. <laughs> but um, you know how much I hate the saying, the most important election of our lifetimes? This one is. I, 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 I actually said it last week that this one might actually be. I mean, I don't know where we go after this if we lose. Yeah. All right, good to see you, Bob. Thank you. Good to see you. All right, we'll come back. It'll be your turn to ask the questions around here. And Todd has assured me some feisty ones are coming. Feisty questions often get feisty answers. Just be warned. We'll get to that Q&A. Ask me anything here when we come back. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Just email us, Steve at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, get her Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me on Truth Social as well, at Real Steve Dace there. Make sure you find peace of mind with our friends at Jace Medical. They've got a new product out right now. That's the same company that brought you the Jace case. It's called the Jace Daily. It's a prescription supply service that allows you to get up to a 12-month backup supply for your prescription medication in case of um, emergency. All right, so this will cover a whole bunch of medications, everything from cholesterol to diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more. It's an absolute must for family preparedness. Your order is reviewed by a certified healthcare professional, delivered right to your door. Listen to what Sean Rowland, who founded Jace Medical, had to say when he said this is about more than even preparedness. It's about the peace of mind gained by having this kind of long-term supply of your vital medications. That cannot be overstated. I agree. So for your and your family's sake, be prepared at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. J as in Jeff or J as in jump at this, jacemedical.com. And then enter the code DACE at checkout for your discount at jacemedical.com. Promo code DACE at checkout for your discount. If you are a podcast listener, thank you so much. Please, if you have not done this yet, leave us a five-star review if you like us, of course, and hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow. And we want to thank all of you that have done those things for us already. And now we come to Ask Me Anything. These questions come from our followers on Facebook and those who offered up five-star reviews on the podcast. Todd has curated those questions and selected the ones to be answered on the air. I, of course, have not seen any of these yet. I have no idea what is coming. Uh, Aaron will have the questions for you. Todd has has assured me, though, that we've had some spicy, feisty ones this week. Yes? Yes. Indeed. Right out of the gate. Then let's let let it rip. Here we go. Aaron. We'll begin with a couple of five-star reviews, including this one from RT Collins 68. When will you guys have a true conversation about the truth? To watch you talk about such important issues within our faith, but not bring up the corrosion of the Roman Catholic system. Catholics aren't Christians for many reasons. Papacy, idolatry of Mary, works-based salvation, purgatory. The Pope is an antichrist and not the head of Jesus' church. You also don't stand up against the LDS church and its demonic doctrines. Maybe you should change your logo, logo to Sometimes the Truth Be Told, unless it offends my colleagues like Beck. But the Christians would love to see a debate of truth never happen. This is fascinating for a couple reasons. Well, normally the people who rip on you 
uh, have the integrity to just give you a zero star or a one star review. I love Th- the fact this, this guy gave me five, five stars. Star review. So I'm not sure if he's bearing false witness or what the deal is. Either way, I, I will allow it. Secondly, either he loves the show and still came at us that way, or he used this as a camel's nose under the tent, which I completely and totally respect. I'm, I'm good either way. Well, secondly, I, hey, I am mad. I just find the, the, Aaron's montage, the string of pride events this weekend. And there is still this group of people who just want to fight the holy religious wars right now. I, I mean, who knows? Let's say maybe they're right. So let's play this out, Steve. Why aren't you condemning me and Beck to hell on a daily basis? Go. Here, uh, for the, I don't know how many more times I have to say this. But it keeps coming up. Okay. It keeps I, coming I, up. I will say it again. I do not believe Joseph Smith was a prophet. We've done one Bible study in the history of this program where we took a okay. book of the Bible and we went through it verse by verse. What book did I pick? Colossians. Why did I choose that book? What is unique about that book? Christology. There's a Christology there that is, it, that is thoroughly and, and in great detail laid out. It is, it is mentioned in the Gospel of John, Paul references in other Gospels, but Colossians is the first fully fleshed out Christology in, 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 in the scriptures. And that's why I chose that book. Okay. So I don't know what else to tell you. I, I, I don't see a need to make enemies out of people that I, that I agree with in other places. But I mean, I, I can't be any more plain. I don't believe Joseph Smith was a prophet. If I did, I would be a Mormon, but I don't. So I'm not. What, I don't know what else do you, do you well, want me to hate people? And, and well, that's and what I want as to, much get to as you what, do? It, what do you think he thinks? How in the way... Am I? And frick, I'm just, I'm just me. How in how in the way is Glenn Beck of the truth? Because that's what he clearly, by implication, and like I said, this is he's not unique. We keep getting these. They think, I think, that pretending that there is this thing, and this goes wait. This is we're practicing what I, in our estimation, I think is C.S. Lewis mere Christianity. I think he thinks that's clearly an offense to the truth. Why do you think that is? All right. Table that question for a second because I want to address the Catholic angle for a moment. All right. Because again, I've, if I, if I, I am sola scriptura, I believe that the scripture is the ultimate authority on ecclesiastical matters, theological matters, and ethical matters. If I didn't believe that, then I would probably be Catholic. But for my fellow evangelicals or Protestants who feel this way, this is my new counter question I'm going to come to from now on. Who was a Christian from, the, from Constantine until the Reformation? Were there any Christians? Was anybody a Christian from Constantine until the Reformation? Why do I ask that? Why do I ask that? Why did I pick that period of time? Because what was essentially the church from Constantine until the Reformation? The Catholic Church. Yeah, the Roman Catholic Church was essentially the church. Now, there is the Orthodox Church, and I know we have some of those people in our audience that are good. At, they're firing off your emails right now. I, I feel you. I know you were there. Okay? All right? So save yourself, you know, trying to remember how to spell Constantinople. I, I know. I know. I know you're there. But for the most part, for the most part. 
what was the singular organ in the minds of most of the civilized world when it came to the when it came to representing Christianity on earth what was it from Constantine until the Reformation what was it which is about a thousand years it's about a thousand years a little less what Constantine's what the fifth century the 400s if I remember right or am I a century late Somewhere there. 300s. 300s. So yes. the 4th century. So yeah, a full thousand years, basically. Because wasn't it uh, Halloween 1517, right? Halloween 1517 is when, is when, um, is when the Augustinian monk named, who was teaching there at, uh, uh, at the Wittenberg College, named Martin Luther. Isn't that when he nailed his 95 theses to the door? Wasn't it All Hallows' Eve on 15, in 1517? Isn't that the date? I believe it is. That's escaping my memory at the time. Okay. But we're, so we're, we're yeah. about a thousand years. Yeah. For an entire millennia, was anybody a Christian? Who were Christians for a millennia? No one, no, no one was converted and no one was saved until Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door. Well, for starters, you know who didn't believe that? Luther. Well, that's, he was an Augustinian monk. Yeah. So, that notwithstanding, the prime directive of this show is the promotion of a biblical worldview. However, it is not a show on Christian apologetics, primarily. This is a show about, about bringing a broad, about taking a biblical worldview... First of all, I'm not qualified to host a show on Christian apologetics. You should go and find real trained theologians to have those conversations. The kinds of people that I study and learn from so that I can do the show that I am called to do. But this is about bringing a biblical worldview. When I say that, and I get to define it because I'm the one that God gave the platform to. So I get to define it. And what I mean by that is taking a biblical worldview into a broad application of the, of the issues and culture in which we live today. That's what it means uh, for us. That's, 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 an, uh, that's, that's what it means. If I, if I was doing an explicitly uh, apologetic show on Christianity, we would be a lot more specific on the issues that you are discussing. But that's not what I'm doing, and that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to do this. Um, if you look at the founding of the country, you had some very diverse religious viewpoints there. Ben Franklin, on one hand, was a hedonist. On the other hand, he said that uh, the, 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 the law of Christ was the greatest law that he's, you know, something along those lines. I don't remember the direct quote. There's varying reasons I mean, did, did, did Thomas Jefferson cut the miracles out of his Bible because he didn't want to accept the supernatural? The David Barton folks have a different explanation for why that took place. But what is not in dispute is that there was great theological diversity, even within a largely Christianized culture among the founding fathers. We have founding fathers that are in hell. Should, essentially, you're arguing, should, they have, should we have stopped the Constitutional Convention to make sure everybody there had adequately uh, uh, repented of their sins in the name of Christ? That's Maybe the answer thing. to that question is yes. I don't know. But that's essentially what you're arguing. I'm not a pastor. I'm a cultural commentator. 
This is not a Christian show. It is a show on the a show on the issues of the day that is hosted by a Christian. I am downstream from what you are asking. I am I am the application. It just unfortunately because a lot of our churches don't take catechesis and discipleship and spiritual formation seriously anymore, we have had to we we've had to do far more of that in order to do what we were what I think I was actually called to do. We've had to do a lot more of that than I ever anticipated. I never anticipated that I was going to actually have to teach biblical worldview on the show. I always thought we were going to be able to just channel it, mobilize it. You know, um, but unfortunately, we've had to go back a few steps than I originally planned. But that's not the primary directive of the show. I mean, I, I, I don't believe you can be a Christian and reject the Trinity. I don't believe that. I don't believe you can be a Christian and reject the views that have been held by the church in all of its forms. And even in times of great contest and dispute, there are some things in the closed hands that people calling themselves Christians have believed almost in solid, complete solidarity while disagreeing on voluminous other topics for 2000 years. The Trinity would be one of them. The, 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 the God, the Godship, the divinity of, of Jesus Christ would be another. But we are performing the directive of this show, which is the application, which is the introduction and application of a biblical worldview into the common vernacular and the, 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 the societal questions of the day here in the day in which we live. That's my answer. Is there... Is, you guys have anything you want me to add do you think i should add oh i was fascinated to see what you would say i mean this is something like i said it keeps coming up time and time again and i i simply wonder if it's a if it's something that's inevitable that the fractured secular world that is now rivaling pagan idolatry instead of healing uh the church will actually serve to fracture the church all the more in its current state i mean there's like this this there just seems to be this element that is not is not seeking commonality in the face of flat-out evil but is seeking right to that, that, let's 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 elaborate on that point you're on those boats june 6 1944 heading to the northern beaches of france Normandy, Sword, Juno. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're heading to those beaches and it is quiet as kept because you have no idea what you're walking yourself into, but it could very well be hell on earth. You are you are walking right in now to the den of to the, the lion's den. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna punch the Nazis right in the face. And you're all in those boats because you recognize, despite different walks of life, different belief systems, ideologies, you recognize that yeah. what is on the other side when you land won't provide you the accommodation of letting you hash out those differences, even on any level, gently, vehemently, harshly, peacefully, because no differences will be permitted. You will, you will comply with that demonic agenda or you will not, period. And there will be no conscience. You have two choices. You can A... 
in the middle of the in the middle of the ride, turn to the person next to you and say, "Have you received your copy of the fundamentals in the mail?" What are your views on progressive sanctification? This does seem to be exactly what's happening. And what do you think? Uh, I mean, do you think that uh, Jesus returns um, when the church has uh, fulfilled its mission in history or things just get worse no matter what we do or just at a like a thief in the night, the city of man and the city of God just coexist? That's one choice. You could do that. Have you ever read? Do you, do you think the pearl of great price is a legit work? You could do that. That's one option. The other option is you turn to the guy next to you, also made in the image of God, who's willing to die shoulder to shoulder with you against Mordor and hell. And you can look at them and say, lock and load. Those are your two options. Now, I might be wrong. And if I am, God, don't let me continue to do this show another day. But I kind of think the other option Whoever's not, whoever's not against me is for me. I kind of think the other option is the better option. Now, maybe you don't think we're at that minute, that, that moment. Culturally, I do think we're at that moment. Maybe you missed the part in Aaron's montage where naked men are visually assaulting children on the streets of American cities. Maybe you missed that. If that's not your, okay, into the boats we go. Hit the beaches. If that's not your, if that's not, if that doesn't justify that level of action and unity against a recognizable, obvious evil to you, I don't even want to know then how much further we have to plunge. They're just going to rape the kids in the streets and then maybe you'll say, okay, for now, we'll go back and argue Brigham Young in a minute. Right now, though, we're to stop that guy from raping kids. I'm there. That's where I'm at. Okay. How's that for an answer? Dig it. Okay. Next, we go to My America 10, another five-star review. If the left is as evil, twisted, and sneaky as you and I believe, how can we possibly expect them to follow the rules laid out in Article 5 if we risk a convention of states? I would counter by saying, how can you expect them to follow the rules we currently have? See, a lot of you keep asking me questions. I did a call last week with conservative leaders, people I love and respect. First question on the call, well, won't they just make up any election outcome that they want? Aaron, you heard me on that call and what I said to those conservative leaders. What yeah. did I say next to them? Right to their faces, what did I tell them? If elections don't matter, yeah, then get what off are the we call. doing here? Get off the call. What are we doing here? Get off the call. Go form militias. What are we doing? That's what I told them. Exactly what I've said on the show. I'm not, I don't have a message in person different than when I give you. Same message everywhere I go. Not much different. Maybe in person I'm a tad nicer. A tad. But it's the same message. All right, cool. So they're not following the rules we're going to do now. You don't think they'll follow. You don't think you can make new rules they will follow. Then guess what? Lock and load. I don't know what else to tell you. Join the militia then. I, I don't. This idea of, you know, let's just, you know, nothing will work. Then... Would you last weekend? Did you watch a movie? Did you watch any sports? Do anything fun with your kids? And yet you think nothing will work. I don't believe that you even believe that then. Why didn't you why didn't you take every waking hour of freedom you have to prepare to fight physically to hold on to it then? At this at this stage where nothing else will work. Nothing else will work. Nothing. Nothing else will work. 
Nothing. Disney's stock is down 50% the last two years. It's going to lose. It's on pace right now to lose over a billion dollars at the box office this year. But nothing else works. Nothing else we can do. Nothing could possibly work. We thought this was going to be the worst pride month of all time. It ended up being largely a pride day. Corporate America cannot run from this fast enough. Except for Bud Light, which apparently just absolutely wants us to put them out of business. And I am okay with honoring that wish. Here, here. Here, here. Seconded. So say we all. But nothing works. Don't do it. I don't under help me understand this. If you think we're beyond any of the systems we have working, then what are you doing just talking? You're the right-wing version of the Kavanaugh people. Brett Kavanaugh's a gang rapist. Get off Twitter. Call the police. Get the Twitter turn the close the Twitter app on your phone. Dial 911. Then what is your system? Well, we'll just uh, we'll do the John Birch Society thing and just get sheriffs that'll hold uphold the law. You're right, man. Todd, there's sheriffs that will uphold the law.com. Is there a website we can go to? Hot damn. Why didn't I think of that? We can just go. F- there's just a there's just a, a, a bountiful amount of sheriffs who will practice interposition and the doctrine of the lesser magistrate just sitting there on Craigslist and red balloon waiting to get hired. Wondering, why, when's anybody, why is nobody calling me? Aaron, did I pick good questions this week? I don't know. Did you, Todd? Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> I will not tolerate it. I don't care. I, I will not tolerate that we can do nothing. I won't. And every time you bring it to me, I will mercilessly crush it. Then stop consuming the show. Don't listen to any of us then. What are you doing? Get ready for Lexington and Concord, then. Those are your, those, here are the two options. Use the freedom you have to do something, or you're going to have to fight for the freedom you have. There's nothing in between. There is no in between. Nothing in between. That's it. That's the, those are, those are the two options on the menu. Okay. So, you don't, you, if, now I happen to think when it comes to a convention of states, I would much rather fight it out on a small scale with them of who is truly the most committed and the most organized than trying to take on on a grander scale their media and all the messaging machine and everything else but that's my strategic thought I could be wrong so what's yours that sh- those those sheriffs in places like Idaho that we're going to save you because the John because the John Birch Society gave you a pamphlet telling you they were going to save you um, didn't stop uh, the cops from arresting that woman who was the wife of one of their fellow cops in Idaho. I believe that's where that took place. Was it not? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, it was. didn't stop yeah. that, though, did it? No, didn't stop our boy Gabe Wrench from getting arrested for protesting. Didn't stop that no. out there, did it? No, it didn't. So here are the options. And I love this idea that this that the convention of states is so radical. Well, you yourself in your question said it was Article Five. Article Five of what? What's it Article Five of? Do you guys know? 
Constitution. The U.S. Constitution. Who wrote that? Founding Fathers. Founding Fathers did. So who wrote the Convention of States? Mark Levin? No. He reminded us of it. The reminder of it comes from Mark. But did he come up with the idea? No. Mark Levin? Mark, it, it's like Newton. Just sitting around. Just, and, and he created gravity. No. He discovered it. Same thing with Levin. He discovered, hey, there's a mechanism here that we don't have to keep doing this. We can go, we can create something that just completely goes around these people. Who gave us that mechanism? The very people who wrote the Constitution gave us that mechanism. So I, I have no tolerance, none, no patience, none for there's nothing we can do. Elections don't matter, nothing matters. Then lock and load. What are you doing here? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, this is like, um, I believe that uh, abortion should be legal in all cases. No, you don't. Prove it to me. Kill yourself. I said that once in an interview. Remember that? Mm-hmm. At, on Talk Radio Europe. Uh, the host tried that with me. And I told her she should kill herself then. Interview kind of went off the rails after that. <laughs> but, yeah. Prove it to me. Kill yourself. Well, I think, you know, uh, we should avoid suffering. And uh, we should have uh, people avoid suffering. And so let's kill our children. Because they may be born into suffering. You don't believe that. After you lost a job. After you got broken up with. After you suffered some disappointment in your life, did you kill yourself? No? Then you don't believe it. You just want to kill other people. I'm going to have to start saying this to people wearing this kind of stuff to people wearing my own uniform. You don't really believe in your own futility. You're just a loser. You're addicted to losing. And sometimes you have to be, a lot of times, cultures of losing have to be confronted head on. Because as it says in the movie, The Natural, losing is a disease. As contagious as syphilis and polio. Okay, we love to lose. Love it. Can't get, we can't get enough of it. We're addicted to it. Stop it. You still live in the freest, most prosperous nation on earth. Yeah, a good deal of my patriotism isn't there anymore. My nostalgia is largely dead. I still had the freedom yesterday to get up in the morning, go to my church and worship, come home, hang out with my family during the day, jump in my truck, drive to Missouri and speak, to another, speak in another church in another state. Almost nowhere else in the world could I have done what I did yesterday. Almost nowhere else in the world. Almost nowhere else in the world. And even even a few other places in the world where that freedom is available, the idea that there would be a church that I'd both want to go worship at and then in another place want to go speak at ain't easy to find in France, right? Ain't easy to find in the UK, right? Ain't easy to find in Belgium, right? How many other places in the world could I have done what I just did yesterday? Freely, without any threat. Not many. Maybe this is still the only place. Stop it. Stop creating self-fulfilling prophecies. Stop being losers. Someone needs to tell you you're into losing. You're a loser. You can't get, all, you can't get enough of it. Let me vote for a guy I know has can't, no chance to win. It's probably going to prison. Because that'll just vindicate me in some way. How? How? How will that vindicate you? Instead, ask him, what's your strategy to not go to prison and uh, win in the next election? What's the strategy? Because we need to win. Losing is a disease. We're infected with it. There's too much money to be made from it. Makes us feel comfortable. 
It lines up with our pessimistic eschatology, which we then use as an excuse to not do a damn thing. How many people I saw in my Twitter feed over the weekend after the interview we did with Joe Webbin about relocating? I am practicing Christ-like missional evangelism. There's a question here coming in, up, here, Steve. Here in St. Louis, even though I couldn't even tell you when the next school board meeting is. Get the bleep out of here, dude. Chef's kiss. You just made my point for me. Stop losing. We need to stop being losers. It's okay to win. Man, I freaking hate losing. I hate losing like Chris Christie hates a salad. I hate it. Hate it. Can't inhabit it. I can't breathe around it. I can't stand it. One of the biggest selling points of Christianity is we win. You'll kill us. Well, we just come back from the dead. So you can't possibly beat us. Well, we got rid of you and put your church underground. Well, you'll just go to hell forever. And we win. You go to hell, we win. You join us in heaven, we win. You kill us, we win. You live, we win. We win! We win. I like winning. Is this not America? What does America first about? Being losers. Let's elevate the losers. The losers are the heroes. What the hell, man? Get over ourselves. Win. Freaking hate it. Hate losing. Damn it, man. It's funny, right before uh, the show, off air, we were talking about uh, what should our uh, July 4th speech be this year? You just made it. (laughs) You just made it. I made my kids cry playing shoots and ladders. It's not even an exaggeration. They did. No gimmies. No, uh, no, I know I'm not going to let you win. Take it from me. Because then one day they'll take it from you rather than taking it from you, if you know what I'm saying. What the hell? Is this America or not? No. Win! It isn't. Get off your ass and win. Stop it. Welcome back to All Things Considered here on NPR. I am with Todd Schwedeballs Erzin. I'm not even on the overtime. And there is Aaron McIntyre. Aaron, how are you today? Did you bring your library card? Um, Have you seen the latest selections at your local public library? Depot of knowledge. Coming up on NPR. Jazz plus jazz equals jazz. Jazz cubed. Indeed. Jazz cubed. What would you like to do with all the heathen Catholics and LDS here? <laughs> do you have thoughts? I will only be satiated when their heads are on a silver platter. How hot would you like the fire to be? You started it, Dace. I know I did. It's, t- <laughs> it's my fault. I liked it, though. (laughs) This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. No more critical race theory, leftist indoctrination, endless pronouns, porn for kids. Get them out. Get them out of there, man. Get them out. No, your kid's not a mission missionary. All right. We did a crusade once with children. One of the worst moments in the history of the church. Don't repeat that. All right. Kids aren't missionary. They're kids. Okay. You're the missionary. So protect your children. 
enroll them in a project like Freedom Project Academy. They've perfected online learning, offering live, on-demand homeschool courses K-12, through built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum, dedicated to helping your child master subject matter that masters, not learn how to be subjected by his masters from the government, from the state, taught how to think, not what to think. If it sounds too good to be true, it's not. Had my own son enrolled in FPA for a couple of years before he took a keen interest in football. And I know the people who helped start the school, like Dr. Duke Pesta. We fought together against Common Core back in the day. You can save 10% on tuition when you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. That's freedom, F-O-R, freedomforschool.com. Or you can just go there and get a free information packet today. 10% off your tuition or a free information packet if you want more information at freedomforschool.com. I told you. I warned you, Erzin. Spicy questions. Feisty questions get spicy and feisty answers. You think we've gained subscriptions or lost them today? I am just tired of hearing that there's no way to win. I, I, I... I'm the guy that thinks it's okay to break in the the Starfleet and reprogram the Kobayashi Maru. Some people call that cheating. I, I call that cleverness. I, I just don't believe in a no-win scenario. I'm a Christian. There's no no-win scenario for me. My enemies either repent and join me in heaven, in which we will celebrate together, or they don't, and they end up in hell, and we will celebrate the justice, that the due penalty they have earned for their lack of repentance. My Lord conquers graves, raises hell. R-A-Z-E. No. Returns in a robe dipped in blood with a sword in his mouth. My, my Lord takes kids born to 15-year-old moms, born in abuse and dysfunction, and, and puts them in platforms like this. My Lord takes people in sex cults and turns them into maybe the greatest theologian in the history of the church, other than the ones that wrote the Bible themselves. The church fathers. No. We do not lose. We do not accept losing on any level. Ever. In fact, the opportunity to stand in the gap and endure when it seems as all odds are lost to testify to the greatness of our Lord is a blessing. We are anxious for these opportunities. We are anxious to see them through. We pity our enemies who kill us for we know what awaits them on the other side. We do not accept losing. Losers do. We're not losers. Stop giving more money to candidates after they lose than when they could actually win. Stop that. Stop being losers. We're winners. Act like it. That's my TED Talk. Let's continue. Lorraine Palmer is next. How much longer will the spirit of the age tolerate homeschooling? I think it's the next battleground for the hearts and minds of our children. This is one place where we've won a lot of ground. But the reality is this is also why we're gonna, we need to balkanize more and move to places where we, like if I was a homeschooler in California, I wouldn't feel very safe. If I was a homeschooler in New York or Connecticut, I wouldn't feel very safe. If I'm a homeschooler in Missouri, I'm probably feeling pretty safe. If I'm a homeschooler in Mississippi, I'm probably feeling pretty safe. And if I was a homeschooler in Texas, 
I'd be fighting on behalf of the public schools so I don't have to face what they are facing in California, because you will if you continue to allow public schools in general to trend the way that they are. Either you need to change them or you need to get rid of them. But simply saying, I'm over here doing my thing, that didn't work so well in California. No, that, that, that doesn't work. No. Told you. All the questions I have received today have been of a defensive posture. I'll just leave it there. Brad Blackman says, recently had a biblical debate. What's the true Bible we're supposed to follow? I really like the New King James Version, and my friends spent the day trying to convince me it's a bad version. What's the truly correct version of the Bible? I would use the original King James, because that's the one that Paul used. <laughs> um... I, I had someone tell me that one time. <laughs> I just paused for a second. I was like, did, did you misspeak? No, I, I, <laughs> I had someone tell me that. I had someone tell me to use the original King James, so that's the one Paul used. I mean, this is, this is the same but kind this, of the, question as what I asked Catholics. It's, it, it, it's a good question, though. It is a good question. Well, it, but in, in general, I like Bibles based on word-for-word -word translations. Now, for centuries, all we had was St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate translation. Which, with better translations, we found out many, many years later, didn't get everything right. Got the major stuff right. Like, it didn't say, you know, Jesus was a cuckoo bird. Didn't say that. Didn't get everything right. Okay? But it got the most important things right. But in general, I think you should, I, I always encourage people to strive for word. Bibles based on word-for-word -word translations of the original text. And, and I think two of them that I think are very good in that regard are the New King James and the English Standard Version. They're not the only two. They're just two that I happen to like a lot that do that. Word for word translations, not thought for thought, like the NIV, which has kind of gone woke, but word for word based on the original texts. Next, we go to Heidi Douglas. My husband and I have five young children. We're currently residing in Minnesota, where we are small business uh, co-owners with my in-laws. We're very concerned about the way our state is spiraling down the drain and are considering a move to Iowa. However, my father-in-law says any state is just one election away from going the opposite direction. So Minnesota could turn red and Iowa could turn blue. He wonders if moving is just unnecessarily throwing away all our established business connections. This is weighing very heavily on our hearts and is a constant matter of prayer what would you advise is uprooting our family and taking the risk of starting over with our business worth it well i think first of all your father-in-law is correct there's no question about that that's true i mean every every church is one pastor away from going heretical every church is every you know Reagan warned us 40 years ago. We were one generation, always one generation away from losing this thing called America. If we went by that, though, in, as logic in totality, we'd never do anything because we're always one something away. Uh, that's, been that, that's been the case forever. We are, we're always one something away. Always. So the question then becomes, is the situation so untenable and is the current situation so unsustainable 
that the one away seems closer and not as far away as it as it ever has before. We live in a country founded by people who fled, guys. Founded by people who fled. So if there's never a period of time for a strategic fleeing, then don't celebrate Thanksgiving ever again. I mean, we they fled here. And and remember who they were fleeing, folks. The the Puritans were not fleeing the Muslims. The Moors, the Moors hadn't crossed the Thames. They weren't sailing the Thames. I mean, the Moors weren't carving into Big Ben, God has no son. They weren't fleeing the, the her- they weren't fleeing the heretical Catholics. They were fleeing the Protestant Church of England. Protestants were fleeing Protestants. So this is a country started by people who fled. Jesus told his followers, when you see the abomination of desolation, run, run. So when Titus and Hadrian sacked Jerusalem, desecrated the temple, the Christians had been taught from the church fathers the message of Christ. When you see the abomination of desolation, flee. They did. They fled. They went to, they went to Petra. They ran. There's a great history of fleeing. Western civilization was saved by a retreat. I suppose Churchill could have said, yeah, we're going to sit here on the beaches of, of Dunkirk and we're going to evangelize. We're going to minister to the Nazis. We're going to, we're, we're, we're being very Christ-like here. No! They sent every last boat they had, got every soldier they could to the point they left all the weaponry on the beach to live to fight another day. So there is precedent for strategic fleeing in Western tradition, in biblical tradition. Now, your individual situation, though, sister, I am in not a place to judge. For example, I don't know your business and its success. Do you have a, 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 a family member who's terminal or, or seriously ill and cannot afford their medical care and you provide for that? You see what I'm, I mean? I don't, I don't know everybody's situation. Here's what I do know. 17 million people voted in the last election in 2020 for president and just wasted their vote. I would imagine, Todd, that there is a significant portion of those 17 million people in the states that they live in are there for valid reasons. Family reasons, ministry reasons, other considerations. They've got a troubled child and they finally found the right school for them or something, you know, and you don't want to... I'm accounting for that. Hey, I'm, I'm the guy who homeschooled my kids all the way through, except for the last one, because he wanted to play football. But I've never been the guy that also came on here and said there was no other way to do this other than homeschool your kids. I mean, I, 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 I understand every family situation has a unique dynamic. I've tried to be as flexible with that as possible. Do you think, though, that all of the 17 million people who wasted their votes in the last presidential election have a r- rationale f- like the, the, the exceptions I just cited? No. It's probably a significant number, right? Probably 20, 30, maybe even, I doubt it's 50%, but 20, 30% of 17 million is millions of people, right? Mm-hmm. So millions of people probably have a legitimate reason why they can't make that move. But I'm not asking millions of people to make that move, am I? Right. I'm asking 10% of them to do it. Because if 10% of them did and moved to the right places strategically, would, uh, much of the mess we're in would, would not be in at the moment. That's just a fact. But in your individual situation, I don't know the answer. I think it speaks great of you that you're even wrestling with something like this, given what you would risk with the business. 
I think you have to ask yourself, what lateness of the hour are we in? You live in a state that, um, I mean, you live, you live in the only state Walter Mondale won. Uh, as, I don't even know the last time a Republican won a presidential election in Minnesota. Let me look in, did, in I, Minneapolis, where your population base is, is as radical as any city in America. I would, as a Midwesterner, I think you just feel like a Midwesterner. And so, but if you're, te- if you're telling yourself, like, I would never, ever move to California, to Portland, to Seattle, okay, then start that. So now, now you have to ask yourself, is my state closer to them or to Iowa? If it's closer to Iowa still, you have more time. If it's closer to them, I think you need to maybe give yourself a line in the sand that might be this next election. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going back to now 1976. I mean, so in my lifetime, your state has never gone red in a presidential election. In my lifetime. Didn't go red for Reagan. Didn't go red for, for Trump the first or second time. I, I, you know, so, well, you guys have won some governorships. I, if you think Tim Pawlenty is the guy that's standing in the gap to, thwart, to, to, to hold back the Visigoths, I, I, I've spent a lot of time around Tim Pawlenty, actually. I'm, I, I'm confident that is not the case, <laughs> okay? Aaron, just for my edification, you got to get to the next letter because it does involve Minnesota still in this issue before the show Oh, yes. Over. Uh, Nathan Wheeler says, you always get on us Christians for not being involved enough in schools and local politics. My energy is spent at the church. If we can't get the churches right, does it matter if we fight politics and people still go to hell we've got people getting saved and delivered from demons lives truly changed i don't want to stay in the blue communist state of minnesota but people here need the gospel more than ever can i have your permission to stay where my vote doesn't count for this reason okay let's assume everything you tell me is that you are doing the kind of ministry you are talking about well i would agree i I even said that would take precedence right are you doing that 24 hours a day How long are school board meetings, Todd, typically? Mm, uh, School board meetings, uh, they are an hour to two hours. A two-hour-long school board meeting would be a long one in a very large district. About a month, once a month, right? One, one, two tops, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, three hours a month. Three hours a month. I mean, everywhere you go, like, you can't. You're at the gas station. Your, Your car runs on empty. Because you're just casting out demons everywhere you go, man. I mean, you're just... Couldn't get to work. You work. You have a job. Couldn't get there, man. I just... Just like Benny Hinn walking up and down the highways with the jacket. Slang! Yeah. Oh. I, I, you, Nathan, don't have, you don't have three Nathan, hours? You I, don't? A month? Can I... This... The premise of this question is, this, is that this is an either-or. Exactly. It's not either-or. It's both and. If you're spending more on one than the other, then you're doing something wrong. If you're choosing only one over the other, you're also doing something wrong. After you get done doing that, delivering people and saving people, what are you having them do? What, what, the, so what, was, what, what plan does God have for their lives? Just to be Bible moths? No other plan? Nothing. They have no unique gifts or talents by which they could be used for the further edification and testimony of the gospel. My former employer, KTIS Radio, 
is the number one radio station. It's a Christian radio station in the Twin Cities. In the Twin Cities, they can chop children's junk off. They're doing something wrong. The church. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.